It is another Monday edition of the Chair Shop Podcast back here on the night wrestling lives on to chat about the week in wrestling, the week in various other forms of media. I'm one of your hosts, Barry Murphy, joined as always by our co-host and producer, Paul Griffin. Hello, everybody. And uh, just a regular old co-host like me, Mr. Joe Towner. Hi there, Barry. Hi. Uh, just regular old co-host, social media... Uh, Social media manager. whiz. Oh, pardon me. Yes, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was actually just about to correct myself. You are correct. Um, Social media yeah. dynamo. Uh, yeah. Just, what was it? The... It was a, it was an AEW tweet. Um, just yeah, you know the old viral tweet. What was it? Not a thousand likes or something. I don't know. Whatever. Oh wow. Whatever. But anyway, let's not go on about it. I just want to let all the new fans that are joining this week who, who saw the tweet know that uh, we actually only talk about wrestling for about ten minutes. Um, Usually the first half an hour is us discussing what packages we didn't didn't receive, uh, and then an hour of uh, an hour of uh, Godzilla and Simpsons. So um, <laughs> look forward to that. Uh, I love that. I, I I was looking at the tweet, and then the next day I I went to see what kind of numbers it was doing, and people were still replying to it. Oh, I know. People just get so earnestly, earnestly wound up um, by that genre of tweet in particular, the AEW versus WWE thing. I am, we're going to talk about the pay-per-view here in a moment, but I was obviously live tweeting the show. And I only remembered about 50% of the time. I wish this was like a universal setting you could do. I I wish I could just turn off replies just 100% of the time. Uh, right. on Twitter. You have to remember to do it after each thing. Because if it's wrestling related, oh my God. Oh my God. You are just, you are just, uh, you know, you are just bringing the freaks on you um, to get earnestly upset. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. But anyway, that's uh, that's been Joe's uh, dynamite work during the week. Di- pun not intended. Speaking of work, dynamite. Um <laughs> Are we kicking off with the wrestling, lads? We absolutely are. We're gonna we're gonna jump in here to the uh, to the hot discourse surrounding AEW Revolution, which is why we're doing this show on Monday. To be fair, because um, we all wanted to watch the show so we could dissect it here on the uh, the old broadcast. Uh, and we will, of course, don't worry, folks. We'll have your fucking uh, package guff. Uh, fucking, oh, I didn't come. Uh, oh, I went for a walk. Uh, we'll have all that good stuff coming. Um, in in you know within the hour, I would say we will jump in here with uh, AEW Revolution. It was, of course, the um uh, one of AEW's quarterly pay per views last night, live from Daily's pay- Place, with a, a lot of people in attendance. It seemed. Um, that's the thing about the old AEW. It's it's it, the atmosphere is much better than most other promotions. But every now and then, you're just you, they just pan to a shot of just people just breathing on each other and just fucking sucking up each other's fumes, um, which is uh, which is quite intense. But um, but yeah, so we will uh, jump into the card. I mean, which way should we go? I mean, it, it, do we just have to jump straight into the main event to talk about the yeah. new, the, the, the occurrence? Let's go. Um, talk to- Let's do it like um, Wrestling Observer. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, Paul, why don't you take us through the show there? I could not believe <laughs> when. Whoa, 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 hold on, back. Whoa, 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 whoa. We got it. We got. Oh, we no, we're not going to talk about UFC. We got to talk about it. <laughs> I mean, it's it's it, 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 it's just funny because it just reminded me of um uh this thing uh I think it was. 
Dory Funk Jr. But actually, no, because it's funny because uh, it was Dory Funk Jr.'s uh, wife was talking to me. Actually, it was his sister, and we were watching the UFC. Anyway, um, and then, well, and I was actually telling this to my son once and his friends who were over to watch uh, Raw. Anyway, we're talking about Raw, but no, anyway, Dory Funk Jr.'s sister's daughter. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway. Uh, so last night was Revolution. The main event was the quote-unquote exploding barbed wire uh, uh, death match between John Moxley and Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega retaining the the championship. Uh, and on the off chance you didn't see it or didn't hear what happened, the way the the finish played out was they were having this match. They were bloodying each other up. It was quite gruesome. They were they, they were having a Kenny Omega John Moxley match. Good Brothers ran in. Uh, they put Moxley down with the numbers game. And basically, they said that the 30-minute countdown was going to keep going ahead even after the match and that the ring was going to explode. They handcuffed Moxley in the ring. The heels all bailed. Eddie Kingston came down to try and save his his friend-turned-enemy, who he still respects, I guess. Uh, and when he was not able to retrieve Moxley from the ring, he did a an homage to an old Terry Funk Onita spot from back in the day, where he kind of threw himself on on um, uh, Moxley to protect him from the explosion. The C four, I believe, was was the term Excalibur was using on commentary. Oh no! Um, uh, and it was indeed um, perhaps, I mean, one of the most disappointing conclusions to a wrestling pay per view, maybe in the last twenty years. Um, uh, with the possible exception of Triple H pinning CM Punk that one time ten years ago, um, uh, and they just had a couple of piddly little sparklers go off on the on the this was it was like it was funny it was like it, I mean it was like Randy Orton was making his entrance in two thousand four it was like they had some some little uh, spooters on the on the turnbuckles and some smoke went off and <laughs> and and they had Eddie sell like he'd been shot in the back. <laughs> Like Eddie, Eddie, King, Eddie Kingston falls like like he's Mr. Burns and John Moxley is the sundial. <laughs> and, and they just lay there while the commentators act horrified and the crowd sort of lightly boos. Um, and that was the the holding. So, what did you think of the main event, the match, and the finish, lads? What did you What did you make of it? Oh. um... I thought, well, I thought for the most part it was your your bog standard barbed wire massacre <laughs> match. Like, bog it was standard. that. <laughs> no, I mean, I appreciate that the two guys were throwing each other into barbed wire for my entertainment, but as far as being a really good match, I don't know that it was significantly better than your your abyss versus Sabu's of the old TNA world. You know, mm. It was like that kind of, it was fine. Um, I did say last week, how are they going to do this mat, this type of match in HD in 2020 versus like a, a 19, an early nineties VHS copy where you can <laughs> kind of, you know, no, no pun intended, but the smoke and, and mirrors kind of, Make it look a bit better. How can they do it today without it looking really hokey? Uh, and the answer was, it just they just did it that way. It looked really hokey. It looked any time they hit the ropes and there was the little uh, Power Rangers sparks coming out. Like it, it didn't look like an explosion. It didn't look like it was hitting them with maybe 
one or two camera angles where it looked a little bit better. Um, and so yeah, I mean, I I don't even I wouldn't even say it was a disappointment necessarily. It was just yeah, it was it was okay. You know, it, if you're really excited for a barbed wire, you know, hardcore match, that's what you got. I don't know that it was anything sp- special elevating it above that um but it was certainly uh brought down by the post match uh we, we were laughing for about 10 20 straight minutes after the show went off the air <laughs> just by virtue of how lame it was um as you say eddie kingston comes in hops on him like like he's making a pinfall and <laughs> that was it and then Excalibur goes, oh my god. At exactly the same time, I said oh my god for a very different reason. <laughs> I, I love that the, the commentators still had to sell how devastating it was, even though it very obviously wasn't. And um, God, it was such an embarrassment. It was so embarrassing. Oh, my toes were curling like Hulk Hogan on the beach. It was terrible. I think you mentioned there, like, yeah, during the match, the explosions were not that good. And it was the kind of thing where... <laughs> and they were the best explosions we would get that night. <laughs> yeah, they were they were better than the ones in the aftermath. But So they, they weren't great, and it was kind of that thing of... The whole way through the build, I feel like there was a, there was a collective question that everyone had in their heads was like well this is either going to be like really shit or really great because those are the those are the two types of explosions they have in these matches they it's it's one or the other it's very it's it's not really in the middle and it didn't even really click in my head as they were having the match and the 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 mid-match ones were going off. It didn't really click in my head that, oh my God, the the, the final one's going to be dreadful. It didn't even register. And then when no. it happened, it was, because it, it was, and like the, the real, the real giveaway, the real giveaway that we were in trouble was when they did that big DDT spot to the floor. Like that one looked horrible because it was just, yeah, and it was just little, little, small, little concussive things on the outskirts of where they took the bump. It just looked terrible. Yeah, it was, it was two of the, um, the little floor pyros that are like a little chimney on a flat, like Shawn Michaels, they'd have in the back of Shawn Michaels uh, ring entrance, you know, for the, when he does his pose. And yeah, they were like one foot outside of the, what do they call it? The hell zone or whatever. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Um, One thing that I didn't actually realize, and maybe you guys did, but I don't know that it was made clear to me or if they said it, I missed it, that it seemed like they were saying, oh, this match has to end before a certain time, because if they don't, the ring will explode. And then when the match did end, and they're like, oh, the ring's exploding anyway. I didn't understand why that yeah, was. They, they said there was no time limit to the match, but the bombs were going to go off after 30 minutes, no matter what. What are we living in Die Hard world or something? Why is that happening? <laughs> well, why, why are there explosives there in the first place? <laughs> you know, it doesn't make any sense. But that's that's how they're normally done, right? Well, it's you know, I it's you can way. suspend your disbelief that it's it's an explosion match or whatever, not the yeah. TNA kind that they don't do anymore, but the actual, and that you know, if the match ends, that the 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 explosives expert they have in will will disarm the bomb, you know, so. 
I don't know. I just didn't understand why when the match ended, there was still the countdown going. And to be fair, everything from the match ending to Eddie Kingston jumping on John Moxley, I thought all that was done pretty well. Mm. Especially the Eddie Kingston coming out. Like, oh, the, the almost a face turn for Eddie Kingston, right? He's coming out for save Moxley. And then, and then obviously nothing happened. Also, as far as the match goes, the fucking good brothers run in. Oh, man. Enough. Get rid of them. <laughs> when, like, it doesn't matter if you're the hottest promotion in the world or the, the shittiest for little indie. You, nobody wants their main event to end with the, the suntan biker man fucking racing down to the ring. Just, and like, oh, it's so annoying because like, they're like tag team champions, but their role is like goons. They're like goons. They just, they run down like, like fucking proud and powerful do. And there's they're another team who haven't really gotten their their justice in, in, in the last year, but it's just like, they're like lackeys and it's just proper like attitude era. eye roll stuff. And you're like, Oh God, here they come. I don't even think that it's them or, or that they're the impact tag team champions. Although I don't, I don't understand why Carlson was wearing his belt for the entire beatdown, but um, it was just, you know, they're having this match, this literally a blood feud match with barbed wire ropes and explosives. And it still ends with a, you know, oh, uh, the heel, the heels, yeah, as you say, the heels goons come out and they beat up the baby face and they pit him. Like, it's a, it's a really dissatisfying conclusion to a match like that. Yeah, I, I feel like even before the, the fireworks shitty thing, I was really disappointed with the ending before that because, yeah, it's just like, in general, it's creeping up over the last few months. Lots of people running in in AEW. Lots of shitty finish. Not shitty finishes. That's that's harsh. It's not. It's not rolled up because someone's music played. It's not that bad. But it is an awful lot of one person runs down, the ref's distracted, another person uses uh, runs in the ring. It's a lot of that stuff. And then in the main event, I was like, okay, this is actually still somewhat alien territory for AEW, and I don't like it. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, AEW have always been kind of semi-serious with their main events. They've kind of, as far as I can think, not had a huge amount of shenanigans in them. Um, Mm. And yeah, as you say, like this one wasn't even as clever, uh, albeit because it was a no DQ match that there was no need for a ref distraction or anything. But it was it was so, you know, it was as if there was no effort put it put into the thought of. Like, what's the finish? How are we going to do it in a clever way? They they literally just come out and beat him up. Okay, like, yeah, I, I wasn't I wasn't a big fan of that. Um, they had the special bat with the pyro that was cool at least. Um, I wish they could have introduced that without it having to be brought out by Anderson and Gallows. What was the deal as well? Because we saw in the build up to the match that they were building some kind of contraption. They were saying it's like the Moxley containment chamber or something. No, I think that was just supposed to be the ring. I think that was just supposed to be the ring. Oh, that was the whole thing. It wasn't a good thing. The ring was just the normal ring with barred wire on it. Well, yeah, but the implication was that he was rigging up the bombs and the the, the okay. The, I, I didn't quite get that. It was it was it was it was stupid because yeah, they didn't they didn't have a special desi- designated ring. That was it was it was stupid. Um, but also that's like um, that's like Tony Khan's attempt to like retcon this whole thing on in the press call. There's like 
That was um, terrible. It's really bad. So, so like after the show, like Moxley went on the mic and is like basically turned it into a joke because what? Because what else can you do? You kind of have to. And and then apparently right. Tony Tony Khan and the media call was like, oh well, you know that was kind of the story and and uh, and you know they're trying to go, they're going to try and make it this kind of heel heat thing that Kenny kind of got one over on them. Um, I hate that. I think that I I wish perhaps it's too soon after maybe down the road. I, I wish he just went on the call and said that was just a fuck up and we let everyone down and we're sorry because I don't like the advertised big finish of the gimmick show being, oh, well, actually, no, it didn't happen because the heel got one over on you, suckers. Like, I hate that. I hate that so much. Um, I don't buy either that Kenny getting one over on Moxley would fit the character motivation versus exploding him in the ring why wouldn't yeah why would Kenny he murder that? him why would he not murder him in, in, a, in a way that's allowed by the company <laughs> no but he he tricked him you see oh i tricked you real good moxley um yeah i am um, i actually quite like the match itself um mainly i think because of moxley's selling i think he just is such a good job he's, he's so good at that and he very real kind of mick foley vibes uh, at times I, I really liked the match i thought the explosion like the the um ropes explosions were fine like yeah they weren't like actual explosions but i think they kind of got they were good enough that you could kind of get away with that the one outside the ring was really but it was literally just a puff of smoke mm. um, and i was like oh dear no, that is very disappointing. Hopefully, there's a bit more than that to come. Um, so that, yeah, that was a warning. Um, yeah, and then when the finish happened, I my first thought was kind of exactly what Tony Khan said because I was like so confused by it. I was like, well, surely this must be a joke. This must be like a joke by Omega and uh, the, what's the, the the blokes. What's it called? The Big Brothers. Um, it must be a joke by them. <laughs> The Big Brothers. The Big Brothers, whatever they're called. It must be a joke by them, because this surely can't be like the real finish. So that was my first instinct. Not that I would have been happy with that, but that was just, I thought, the only explanation. Okay. Then, then, I just know, I thought, like, Eddie Kingston was selling it so hard. I genuinely thought something could happen to him, like he'd had a heart attack or something. Because he was just laying there on the mat, not moving. I was like, what? Well, even if it had exploded, even if there had been like a really good explosion, he was still like massively overselling it. So I was like, "What is going on here?" But um, yeah, such a disappointment because uh, I, I thought it was a pretty, yeah, pretty good match. It was going the right way, and that the angle after the match worked really well. Eddie running out, I thought that was like a perfect moment. All it needed yeah. was just a fuck ton of pyro to go off, just lots of smoke, lots of you know big noises. Lots of like pyro, and it, it would have been great. But um, yeah, I don't know what went wrong. Whether it was a fuck up, or whether they thought that was good, I'm not sure which is worse. To be honest. Yeah, this one thing I was thinking about is um, there's a there's a phrase they use on Drag Race. Mm. Of course, I love my Drag Race, but there's a phrase they use when someone dresses up for the runway part of the competition, and. Uh, their runway look isn't up to scratch and they say i really question your taste and if if that was what like if if what happened was the planned outcome mm. i would really question their taste i would question their approach to wrestling um 
But then I, I, I don't, I just, I can't buy that that was what was supposed to happen. Only for, you know, no, a number of reasons. Number one, I don't think John Moxley, as goddamn serious as he is about this, would go for the hokey fake explosion ending. I hmm. I don't think he would go for it. I think he'd, he'd be against that. Also, they they then didn't have anyone come out to sell that it was a gag. He didn't have um, Callus and Omega at the ramp guffawing and pointing. Ha ha, we got you. There was nothing. There was only the commentators going, oh my god! The name! The humanity! And Kingston selling as if he had been you know, saving Private Ryan or something. <laughs> um, like it was, it was. I and yeah, I didn't. It never even crossed my mind until I saw the the Tony Khan comments afterwards that what happened was supposed to happen. It like from the point of the match happening and seeing the initial explosions on the side, which, as I said, depending on the camera angles, sometimes look good. I, I wonder how much. Like specifically prepared, they were for like specific camera angles for the bumps and stuff to make it look as good mm-hmm. as possible. Because some they looked good, some they didn't. But then when you had that horrible one on the outside with the 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 DDT on the board, and that looked really shit. And then you had the final explosion. It just didn't cross my mind that that was just oh they they shit the bed with it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I don't know what. I don't know what I, I expected really because I obviously I've, se- I've seen the clip that everyone is sharing of the uh, the Japanese explosion with the big dust yeah. clouds and everything. Uh, of course, that would have been brilliant. But um, also in that clip, it seems like the crowd were much further away. It, although it did, they said something like they were evacuating ringside, so potentially they could have done something on that scale. But um, yeah, it was just a little. But they have like they have more pyro when someone comes out for their entrance. I know. So like, what? Well, why can literally, if they had done that amount of pyro, it would have looked at least all right. You yeah. know what I mean? It's not like someone was actually going to get blown up. Yeah. And consider oh, also that this is this is AEW. Who? What are we now? A year and a half in, still can't get the audio right on their pre-taped TV shows. Um, still have bad like cameras missing spots left, right, and center. Um, like their production is not top of the line, let's say. No. So, do I believe that they fucked up the pyrotechnics? And it, yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> They've conditioned me to believe that. Hmm. And it is, it is a shame that they were bleeding all over and having an actual barbed wire match, and it's just this was the big talking point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, it is. I mean, I think. Um, why does it pro wrestling savant? What's his name? Bully Ray did a tweet. Oh, oh no! Where he was like Vince Mc. I don't know why he said Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Like he's like licking the <laughs> shit out of his arse. Scum. <laughs> <laughs> Vince McMahon said like, "Oh, the last image they see is what they remember," or something. And unfortunately, that is true. Like when I, when when uh, the show went off the air, I wasn't thinking about. Um, possibly one of the best cinematic matches I've seen. I wasn't thinking about you know, a, a quite good ladder match. I was thinking about, oh, the, the pyro didn't work. Oh, what a, what a crap show. Which it wasn't <laughs> yeah. really, to be fair. It wasn't you know? crap, yeah. But it is it is weird. I mean, we'll, we'll run down the whole card now in a second, but I, I saw a lot of a lot of takes, and I, I, I can't say I disagree with them 
that AEW on pay-per-view is just, it's not a home run for me basically ever since like, like revolu- the last revolution was great. Last revolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you can't even like really make the pandemic excuse because they've had like excellent episodes of TV. Do you know what I mean? Like they've had, and, and there yeah. has been good stuff on the pay-per-views, but it's just something about it at, at, at 20 quid over here and 50 quid in the States. Um, and there's something about it being quarterly as well. Like it has to be special. It has to be. Yeah. It has to feel like a newsworthy show. And unfortunately, this one, it kind of was for the wrong reasons. And the other stuff was kind of fine. But yeah, I, I I don't know what it is. I me personally, I think they need to trim a solid forty minutes off these shows. Um, tell tell some of these people you you're going out there and your job is to just you know have a five minute sprint or your job like when they did the fucking thing where Miro jumped Chuck and Orange Cassidy and then they came out and had a 10 minute match I was like what the fuck are you doing just pin them in two seconds they have the excuse that you jumped them backstage like I couldn't I really couldn't believe they did that um but uh but yeah I suppose we can um we'll we'll, we'll start at the the start here well, uh, just one last point before we go on. One last point before we go on is um, my my never ending point about the importance of the goodwill of the fans, and this this was like a step in the wrong direction in that regard. Um, insofar as okay, in, in terms of the quality of the pay per views, I think that's a thing. Um, early on, the pay per views are all of a good, you know, good to great quality, um, and this one wasn't overall i would say i think i think this is probably the worst pay-per-view they put on start really oh, no. no no what about uh, uh, yeah. all, I think all out fr- with mimosa mayhem and fucking um i i i thought the first half of this pay-per-view was not great um apart from maybe the like one or two matches but we'll get on to that um and then secondly the the tony khan comment about well mm. what did you expect you can't really be playing with people's expectations that way because that's the entirety of them, you know, buying your shows. Um, you can't really do bait and switches like this where they really, really promote an explosion barbed wire death match with Onita on the show. And yeah, they had Onita plugging it and all this know, other like, stuff. I'm like, come on. Um, yeah, I think, I think your point about goodwill is, is great. And that's, that's why, as I said, you know, the, treating it like a heel like it's the like, thing that's wwe that is that is hell in a yeah. cell it's every time a hell in a cell match ends in a no contest or someone comes through the fucking ring or it's an embarrassing fucking you know like non-match it's like that's wwe every time every time someone uh, fucking cashes in the briefcase and then the decision is reversed and all this other, like that's that's them and that's what you don't want to be and also it's it's not as embarrassing as the explosion but it's like i said with the um with the interference in the main event it's like okay you are kind of you're kind of chipping away at the stuff here that you set out to do at the beginning of the company over time in terms of um customer loyalty and what they can get when they come to you 
Um, and, yeah. and, and, and fobbing that off as well, their heels doesn't really cut it. I was thinking, cause the, the, the whispers, the unofficial whispers was that, you know, I, I think everyone knew Omega was winning this one way or the other because it was too soon right. to beat him. And, you know, Mox is probably going to take some time off and heal up and be a dad. Renee's, you know, pregnant. Hey, so hey, be coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was thinking like, tr- usually in the first year of AEW, when they were establishing who they are. I was thinking, you know what should happen in this match? Kenny Omega should just fucking win. He should just beat him. He should just, because he's the champion, he's staying, and the other guy, not only is he leaving, but he's John Moxley. He'll be fine. He's not, he's not dead because he got, he got, he got pinned in a, in yeah. a, in a, in a huge match, especially if he's taking time off. And, and, and they WWE themselves in this finish with the, with the antics and the trying to protect everyone. Yeah. It was a, a real, a real misstep in a lot of ways. Okay, Doc. Let's go through the show then. Uh, alrighty. Uh, so uh, the opener was the Young Bucks retaining the tag team titles over MJF and Chris Jericho. I mm-hmm. wouldn't be adding it to my my large textbook of of classic Young Bucks matches, um, but I thought it was a, a solid opener, which is. Solid opener is not great for the Young Bucks, I think. I think that they have a high bar, unfortunately. Yeah, I thought I quite liked it. It wasn't great, but um, definitely some, some quite, quite sloppy moments. Uh, and I think we know who's to, to blame for those. Um, mm. But um, yeah, kind of not, not up with their previous matches, but a good, a good match. Good, good, solid, decent. I thought it felt very WWE, this match. And I don't think I could I could say that about many Young Bucks matches. It felt like a WWE pay-per-view opener. Um, in that yeah. it was solid, but kind of unspectacular. A lot of shenanigans. Yeah. Didn't really, didn't really care too much for it. I don't think there's too many spots from it that I would really recall. Um, I did have a spot I hated. Um... Go on. It, it was when the first time they set up for the Meltzer driver and okay. MJF grabs Matt's foot. And while Matt's distracted with that, Jericho counters the tombstone and he tombstones Nick. And then right. Matt gets his foot free. And I suppose the logic is supposed to be that he was so distracted with MJF that he doesn't notice that his brother got tombstoned like a minute ago. And so the spot where he does a front flip into the ring and there's just nobody there. And Jericho right. catches him in, in the in the in the the, the no no it was it was it's oh, separate. Oh yeah 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 yeah. 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 I know. What you mean. I was like right. I was like oh, that you that was way too cute for your own good because you looked like a buffoon. You looked like a buffoon flipping yeah, yeah, into the yeah, yeah. and Jericho's just standing there like oh it was terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Okay, dokie. Uh, so that was the opener. Yeah. Jim Ross, by the way, sounding like. Oh God! The the vocal equivalent of sandpaper. Um, uh, yeah. My God. Uh, <laughs> and it was just, just yeah. He's he sounded like he at the beginning of the show he had already called um, Austin winning seven titles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he wasn't sounding the best. Didn't sound well. Yeah. Uh, so so that was he. I think he got it together over the course of the. Uh, 
of the uh, of the night. Uh, second match was the Casino Tag Team Royale, whatever the official name of that was, the Tag Team Battle Royale, basically. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. the, I feel like the entire point of this was just like, look how many teams we have. Um, yeah, they have a, lo- they have a so. lot. They have a lot of tag teams. <laughs> too many might be the case. Yeah. Um, I quite enjoyed it. I had a few a few faults with it though. I think go on. firstly they didn't unlike the Royal Rumble they didn't give numbers to the team like they didn't actually say there's going to be 15 teams or whatever and you know call out the numbers so you had no idea how you know how long there was to go how many more teams were coming right. out which is really annoying. They, and wasn't I, there wasn't there a countdown appeared for a second after the last team came out? It came up again, one minute, whatever, and then, and then it disappeared quickly. So it wasn't yeah. clear when, yeah. which team was the last team when they came out. Exactly. I think I think this also would have been a good opportunity to put in like a surprise tag team. You could have had like right. Rock, and Roll, Rock and Roll Express or some other. I thought of Rock and Roll Express as well. <laughs> you know, just for a quick pop, this would have been the perfect opportunity. So that that was a bit right. most fun. But also, and they also, actually, as you said, they had the, the um, timer on the big screen, which meant that it was a legit, 90 seconds each time yeah like, unlike the real the, well i was gonna say the real royal rumble the the, actual, the original royal rumble where of course they just make it up as they go along and sometimes it's a minute sometimes it's like two and a half minutes i think that would have yeah. <laughs> been a lot more appropriate uh, in terms of getting the timing right and everything but yeah overall it was quite fun but not, not nothing it's amazing but um i think particularly pack once pack and phoenix go in there that's when it kind of took off that was, yeah, that was I think a, a battle royal is is ultimately going to be seen as good or bad based on who the last three or four people are in it. Mm. And so this is maybe a better one because you had like Jungle Boy, Pack, and Phoenix at the end, and they did some good fun stuff. But everything up to that point was your bog standard battle royal. Uh, what well, did you like, uh, Evil Uno's elimination? <laughs> oh yeah. Right. I missed it live, and okay. d- despite being like nearly two a.m., I roared when I saw it on my phone. It was the it was the funny like it was obviously really stupid and shit looking, but it was so funny. I loved it. Um, yeah, too many teams. Though. Yeah, too many too many teams in this one. Um, who won in the end? Phoenix and Phoenix and Pack was it? Phoenix and Pack won in the end. Yeah, yeah. So they specifically had that great- Phoenix won. They had that great uh, final stretch with um, Jungle Boy, which I really liked. Um, yeah, so uh, they're doing Phoenix and Matt Jackson on Wednesday. Um, yeah, in keeping what we were talking about earlier, Wednesday's show looks great. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, and I'm and, and I'm sure that like that match will probably be a nice tidy fifteen minute match that doesn't overstay its welcome. Um, yeah, because this was a the, the running theme for this show. I thought we you know, these first two matches and basically everything on on the show was um, every, everything was quite long. But anyway, so that was that. Uh, I'm not sure at the exact point this happened in the show, but just worth mentioning here. Jericho and MJF had an interview backstage where they got all frustrated. They lost and. They announced, I think they called it War Council or some shit. It's basically yeah. um, yet another like 15-minute inner circle debate chatting segment on Dynamite, which I'm completely over at this stage. Um, yeah. They need to start moving it along a little bit now. Um, especially because it was, it was kind of interesting looking at the card 
and it's kind of like MJF and Hangman and all these people who are these projects who, and Scorpio as well, who you know won last night, but he's been on ice for a while. A lot of a lot of their projects from the last year have kind of s- slowed to a crawl, and so yeah. I'm kind of I'm kind of hoping the MJF thing, if not if not this coming Wednesday, then in the in the next three or four weeks, he has they, they got to do the turn and they got to get it moving. I think. Um, um, like I appreciate a slow build, but it's it's slow enough. Something has to start happening now. Yeah. Uh, so the third match was uh, Ryo Mizunami and uh, Hikaru Ishida for the women's title. Uh, I thought this was like a lot of stuff on the show, really good, and then it kind of just kept going. Um, and I thought the last few minutes, or not only were they too long, I felt like they kind of lost. Uh, they got off. They were on the same page and belting the shit out of each other for like fifteen minutes, and it was great. And then I don't know if someone got hurt, but it felt like there was a couple of spots towards the very end where they were losing each other, and there was a roll up that didn't quite work, and it was just kind of it ran out of steam there at the end. I thought a little bit, yeah. Um, it was good. It was maybe three minutes, three minutes too long. Mm. Um. But no, they were good. I first, I've never seen Mizunami because I didn't get a chance to watch any of the um, the tournament, um, and not because they're women. Because even if it was a man <laughs> tournament, I wouldn't have had time to watch it. Um, and for example, we skipped over it, but um, what was her name? Maki Ito on the pre-show. Oh yeah, big thumbs up, big thumbs up on her. She's got charisma up the wazoo. Um, uh, but now I hadn't seen Mizunami, even though well, apparently she was on like Double or Nothing a year or two ago. So apparently I have seen her, but I I, I didn't uh, remember her specifically. But no, she she had a a, a nice kind of um, tougher style to to match with Cheetah's more kind of flair. Um, and yeah, I, I I thought it was one of one of the better um, one of the better Cheetah matches. I kind of go hot and cold and Sheeta. I think generally Sheeta is good, but sometimes she she has stinkers. She does she does have yeah. stinkers. Yeah, this was a good one. Um, yeah, I I I didn't think when Mizunami won, I was like, All right, well, she's not she's not winning the belt. You know, she's a fine contender. But there's a couple of deer falls there where I was like, they got me pretty good. Um, um, but yeah, so that was uh, that was a and then, and then you had six run-ins after the match. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, so what was it? It was Nyla and then Brit. And... Nyla, Vicky, Brit, Rebel, Ito, and Thunder Rosa. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so that set up a six man or a six lady rather. Um, uh, for for Wednesday is Maki Ito in that match on Wednesday? I believe she is. I believe she. Yeah, I think she is. Yeah. Okay, that's good. I, I, I don't know what their travel situation is. It was kind of funny on the pre-show to hear Excalibur talk about how Maki Ito wrestled three days ago in Japan, and here she is now. I was like, oh, yeah. whoa, wow, you guys are just doing your own thing over there in America. Um, yeah, I, I think, um, I think the situation is coming from Japan to America. There's no mandatory quarantine, but when she goes back, there would be a two week or ten days or whatever. Right. Okay. Yeah. So um, I, I I'm really hopeful, and I, I think they will if they can get a good bit of good bit of Maki, good bit of Mizunami, get some matches in the can because um, yeah. they they are great um, and they're great great additions to the show. Um, Lots so, of middle fingers in that pre-show match. 
Yeah, I like that pre-show match a lot. I thought it was a. I, I did as well. Match. I thought it was really fun. It's one of my one of my favorite matches of the show, actually. Yeah, I I, I think so as well. It had really good energy, and it was kind of like. Ito is one of those ones where she kind of just has like the name value where even though I think a lot of people probably hadn't actually seen her, it, it was like um, people get it and they're into it, you know. Um, uh, so, so yeah. So they did well there. I'm just pulling up the uh, the card here. Uh, uh, we had Miro and Kip against Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor. Dud. Yeah. Complete dud. <laughs> yeah. Um... Again, like, and it was again. This would have been like a fine dynamite match, but they they did a stupid angle beforehand where Miro like um, shoved Chuck through a Taylor through a through a window, yeah. and, and he was bleeding. Oh, yeah. And again, just kind of like in the uh, in the same vein to what I was saying um, uh, about Omega should have just should have just beaten Mox. It's kind of like if you're gonna smash his head through a window. Beat him in ten seconds. If you don't want to do a ten second match on pay per view, <laughs> then don't do don't don't do the window smashing thing and just have Miro just to demol- it's Chuck Taylor. I like Chuck Taylor. I like the best friends a lot, but just beat him. Like what what are you protecting him for? He doesn't he doesn't need to look competitive with Miro. He's Chuck Taylor. Do you know what I mean? It, it, it's just they've. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I feel like they've lost track of what they were doing in in the last couple of months. Um, yeah, you also had a little bit of repetition where Orange Cassidy did the Terry Funk coming from the back. Oh yeah, yeah. And then Cody, and then Cody did it in the ladder match. Yes, yeah. Mm, uh, you repeated that spot, boys. One, the left hand wasn't watching what the right hand was doing. Um, yeah. So that match was was, was nothing, you know. And th- maybe this will be the beginning of of a more serious mural. We'll we'll see. Uh, that took us to the money match between Matt Hardy and Hangman Page. This is another one where, in a vacuum, this is actually kind of fine. I'm super down on Matt Hardy, but I have to say it was a fine match. But this is one where I wouldn't even say, "Oh, it should have been shorter." This did not need to be on the pay per view. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah, you did not yeah. like if you if you cut this match, it would have been fine. I know Hangman's a big star, but if this is all you can do with him. Then I feel like he should probably just take the the month off, I guess, for the for the pay per view. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, while I thought the match itself was okay, like they worked hard. Hardy was doing moves on the outside and kicking his hand in the steps and stuff. The fact that I didn't care so much about it really detracted from the match for me. <laughs> um, so while. You know, objectively, it was probably fine. I just couldn't get into it. I just had no interest in watching. I was going to. I thought they were really putting over Paige on a commentary, like really going for it. So that yeah. could could burn bode well for him. Uh, maybe he's moving into the title picture or something like that. But uh, yeah, it was it was all right. It was all right. I think it showed it showcased Paige what he can do. But we already kind of know what he can do. So yeah, exactly. Pretty really help him, but it, it was it was all right. Yeah, it was fine. Not, not bad. And and, and again, just kind of like I, I thought the finish was kind of cool and high energy. There was another one where it was like fucking private party A hits the ring to distract the ref, and then private party B is getting in and doing spots page, and then the dark order is running out. I'm like Jesus, like come on. Um, yeah. This is this is not the thing. Um, I would also say I, I'm kind of over the whole dark order thing a little bit now. <laughs> um, uh, dare I say? I mean, I think that it, it's it's nice that they have found their groove, and it's not like 
Remember early AEW when it was like go away heat? It was like terrible. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. It's I'm not I'm not saying it's like that again, but I'm I'm kind, especially because like the company knows they can't have Paige join because ultimately, even though it's getting over, they know it's mid card. But yes, they have to keep exactly. up the appearance of he's pals with them, and it's like yeah. But if it if it if it was a if it was a faction worth getting involved with, he would just join. But but they know that that would be like that would be bad. So, um, yeah. Anyway, that's... Well, that's the thing with Dark Order, though, is because they're mid-card, I'm happy with them continuing kind of at that level. I mean, I think it's kind of uh, similar to the Orange Cassidy push, but then he was suddenly having pay-per-view matches with Chris Jericho. Like, as long as Dark Order aren't suddenly elevated and in your face constantly, like, I'm happy with that. I I like them. They're all charismatic, fun guys. Keep them where, let them be where they need to be. If if organically that should, you know, become something else or change something else, then that's fine. But let's not suddenly go to dark order in everything, like they did with Orange Cassidy a little bit. Uh, so that took us in to the ladder match, uh, which was the face of the revolution ladder match. Which I feel like a lot of people were struggling with that name at various points. Yeah. Um, they. Um, uh, Cody called his old pal Joe Cabray to get the Sonic the Hedgehog fucking ring from that one OTT show. Um, <laughs> uh, I that's like the only thing, I, I like the amount of people who I was talking to from going to OTT who all couldn't believe that the the state of that thing they had hanging above the. Um, above the ring. Um, also, like some people thought it was funny calling it the brass ring. Oh fuck off! Yeah. It oh. looked like a donut. <laughs> it looked like Homer Simpson's head from that one Treehouse of Horror. <laughs> oh, I actually, I'm gonna make a note of that. I'm gonna whip that up after the show <laughs> post. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was 3 a.m. last night. I couldn't have been arsed doing it then. Um, anyway, uh, so it was Scorpio Sky winning a TNT title shot uh, for, I believe, this week's Dynamite. Yeah. Um, he defeated Cody Rhodes, Lance Archer, Penta El Zero Medo, Max Caster, and the mystery man, Ethan Page formerly of Impact Wrestling and, and various indies. Uh, he left Impact somewhat uh, controversially a couple of weeks ago, um, uh, and they confirmed on the Twitter that he has signed. Um, how much of Ethan Page have you seen? Zero. Little, uh, little bit. little bit. Yeah, I've watched like one or two Impact matches and like a PWG match. And like here and there, he's had, he had like one or two PWG matches. Like he is talented. Oh, and the Derby match, obviously. I saw the, the Derby match with the pole spot. Um, he is super talented, but also uh, he just seems like such a an unusual fit for this company, especially as he literally just got into like this huge spat with Impact as he was leaving, um, complaining that they edited his shitty irony cinematic match wrong. Like, oh my it's god, karate man match. Yeah, I was just like, and it's like he. he He's very outspoken, you know, in in a way that's good. I mean, I feel like you should be in wrestling because if you're not going to speak up for yourself, who, who will? But you know, I, it's it's just an interesting pull. Do you know what I mean? I I, I feel like he's um he, he's he's crossed a lot of people 
Um, but uh, a lot, a lot of very talented people do. Do you know what I mean? Like so did Loki, and and Loki's still a guy I would book. So, um, uh, but you know, he's 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 talented and he's super charismatic. I mean, I think AEW. One thing they've um, they've done well is kind of establish themselves as a a talker company, uh, and he yeah. can talk. He can talk for sure. So that's good. Uh, what did you make of the match itself? I, I don't like ladder matches. <laughs> this was this was one of those ladder matches I just did not care for. No 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 rhyme rhythm to it, no story to it, just things happening. Yeah, it was a bit of a spot fest. Um there was one spot in it. This is where, where Barry, you're complaining about the uh the Jericho match earlier. This this is my Adam Cole um selling a, a tombstone. <laughs> Um, Cody takes a, a destroyer onto the ladder, which was across the guardrail from Pentagon, and was up standing on the ramp before Pentagon was up from it. I'm not having it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not having it. That's dumb. Um, I didn't mind the match itself. I think Scorpio Sky, by virtue, as you said, Barry, of him being on ice a little bit and not really being so used or so focal. He, to me, was like the least interesting person in the match as a potential winner. And so when he won, it was a little bit like, oh, I, I would have literally preferred any of the other five. <laughs> but, <laughs> look, it is what it is. Um, He's fine. Like, Scorpius guy is a weird one in that he's a very capable wrestler. He can be very flashy, but I, I just struggle to get excited by him. For whatever reason, uh, um, I, didn't, I didn't like his commentary on Dynamite either. I thought he was very annoying. No, he was awful. He was awful. Um, I didn't. I didn't know who it was either, because uh, I missed where he came on was announced to be doing commentary, and then about three quarters of the match through, I was like, "Who the fuck is doing this commentary? And why are they so annoying?" There was it was Scorpio Sky. I was like, oh dear. Um. No, I mean the match itself was 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 your your stunty ladder match, multiple multiple man ladder match that WWE have introduced and perfected uh, for better or for worse, and it was just that um, with hokey spots with the, where the ladder is set up across guardrail for no reason whatsoever, apart from just for someone to go through or take a destroyer onto it. Yeah, oh, and and lots of kind of like. Oh, a, a match that felt like planned out to like a, a a bothersome degree. Like there was the someone was supposed to get slammed on Archer when he was wedged in between a ladder, but the spot went wrong, and so yes. Archer Archer sat there on all fours for like five minutes while they. Well, yeah. I think it was, uh, Page yeah. and Sky, I think, were kind of reoriented themselves. It's like, oh, that looks terrible. Um, and yeah. again, too long. They had like they had like five or six really cool ideas. And the match was like 20-odd minutes. And so there was a big stretch in the middle where dudes were climbing the ladder and getting yanked off. And then they were climbing the ladder, and they were both up there, and then, and then two lads fell off. But they didn't do a big spot. They just kind of came off the ladder. And it was like, oh, my God. Like, why all this filler? And then there was the Cody thing you referenced earlier where he um, he has a hurt shoulder. I don't know if that's real or if that's just selling something from, from TV. Um but uh, Max Caster targeted it and beat the shit out of it. 
and uh, he took a, a crazy bump. Was did he take? Was he the one taking the the Pentagon um, um, destroyer? destroyer? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. which was you know which was a cool spot to be fair, um, and so. As you usually have to do in a big Cody match, there had to be a big fucking dog and pony show where the Doctor and Arn and QT and I'm surprised the fucking no uh, no we we forgot QT turned <gasps> heel in the, oh, yeah. the tag battle royal and <laughs> spat at Goldust. What was um, that about? That should have stayed on. I forgot about that two minutes after it happened. <laughs> Who cares? And because it, it was like, I think this wasn't it supposed to be. He was mad that Goldust tossed his students out. The gun club, the gun club. He was upset about the gun club. Yeah, getting eliminated. yeah, he was. No, he, yeah. he eliminated them, and then Goldust said, "Why did you eliminate the gun club?" <laughs> yeah, correct. <laughs> and, then, and then I don't know. Uh, tune into Dark for more on that story. Like, because it's, it's, a it's a battle royale. <laughs> Um, but I, I think Q, QT did. I think come out for this Cody thing anyway. So the whole the whole fucking world came out to to shed a tear over Cody. I'm surprised they didn't have that little fucking bird from Harry Potter come along and shred, uh, shed a tear on Cody's boo boo to get him back in the match. <laughs> oh, and and like Cody, like this was the most Triple H light thing Cody has ever done because he didn't just go to the back and do the Terry Funk thing. He Stayed under the the entrance way, so he was visible for the entire match. I was like, "Oh my god, fuck off to the back if you're doing this. Why are you hanging well, he around?" Did, he did. He did go to the back eventually, but he was there for a good ten minutes, humming and hawing, and will I stay? Will I go? And then he went, and then he came back to really underline how important he is. And Ah, Cody's back, and then he hit uh, at a. Uh, uh, like, what is it called? The Cody cutter on Pentagon that looked like complete shit. Pentagon he, jumped the wrong way for it. And he also, and he got booed coming back as well, which, because I think people hate that trope. They hate it. It's, yeah. I mean, it is a little bit like the reason why people have booed Roman Reigns as a baby face. And because it's so transparently. Here's historically what baby faces do. Oh, the biggest baby face. He's he's injured, but he comes back, and it, it's very John Cena, you know, peak John Cena stuff. The super, the Superman baby face. Let's call it that trope. Do you know? And I think that that is a a genre of baby face that is a bit passe. So people rejected it. Yeah, um, trying to think what was the. Uh, the finish, uh, the, and the finish, of course, had to be Cody coming so close and yeah, just getting uh, uh, knocked off by Sky. Um, yeah, yeah. This was this was a. I think this was also kind of one of those crucial matches that I think it, it was kind of like the swing match. It was like if this one had delivered, maybe I'd look more favorably on the whole pay per view because mm. there was a, there was a lot of middling stuff in here, but a lot of the heavily promoted heavy hitters did not deliver, and this is probably one of them. Um, that I would. I, I mean, I would, there was some good stuff in there. There was a, a blackout onto a ladder by Lance Archer that looked particularly nasty. And Ethan Page got Archer up for a power bomb, which is really, really impressive. <laughs> like there was there was some decent stuff in there, but a lot of a lot of blown spots and a lot of Cody cranking one out over himself during that. <laughs> um, we got the reveal of the new signee. It's 
it's Christian. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to his old TNA music. Which I, which I, I, I yeah. big for. That Evanescence ripoff song. Oh, lad, top stuff. Uh, this was kind of like um, the Rusev debut, though. Why do they have him just come out and say, yep, I'm here, and then leave? I, that's shit. I hate that. I know. Um, especially I know this, this I was like know. someone, I can't remember who, someone compared this. I can't remember who made this point, but it was it was it was like when Christian made that kind of make good cameo in, in TNA in 2012. He just came out, but he he didn't even say it's great to be here. He just signed the contract, showed off his bad new shirt they all get. Well, um, that's even worse than the big show one. <laughs> Fuck yeah, now. At oh. least at least no more BS is the type of shit shirt that Big Show has always had his entire career. Well, I don't know what the Christian thing is supposed to be. At least Big uh, Show's one is like a shit. It's a joke. It's an attempt at a joke. It's even <laughs> shit. Christian's one is like an Instagram slogan. Just put on a t-shirt. Yes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's oh, yeah, like one really... of those Facebook ones. Outwork everyone and be born in May. Oh, don't talk to me on a Tuesday. <laughs> Can't outwork everyone till I've had my coffee. Huh? <laughs> but also, he like he could have come out and done his little his little uh, kiss into the crowd that he used to yeah. do, or something, something to engage with the crowd and be like, oh, "I'm here and I'm charismatic." And remember me from 2005? I was the best. He just yeah. walked out and signed the contract very like solemnly. He was rubbish, but he did have his TNA music, and that is the most important thing because that um, WWE theme he's been using now since the ECW days is a big old heap of shit. So I'm happy he's not <laughs> using that anymore. Um, um, yeah. So I, I, if he's, it's the I'm. I can't wait to hear or read or f- just find out more about what happened to WWE. It seems so weird that after being a guy who for years couldn't get cleared, apparently and neck and concussion and all this other stuff. And then randomly he's right. back in the world and then he's out the door. It's just, um, mm. maybe it was just a case of look, the, the, the check was bigger in AEW. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they obviously will bring people back from for a Royal Rumble here and there. That's not exclusive to Christian at all. But the implication was whether it was it was spoken or not. The implication seemed to be that he was back. Definitely, yeah. if you watch the um, WWE YouTube interview he did with them afterwards, it seemed to be a return, return rather than a Diesel showing up for the Royal Rumble or whatever. Right, it seemed to be a bit more substantial than that. And then yeah, I don't know. Was it was he on Raw at all after the Rumble? He didn't make. A I don't think game. so. I don't. I I don't know for certain, but I don't think so. Because I was um, under the impression he had for some reason. Probably I, I must have been wrong. But um, yeah, it's it's weird. It's really weird. Um, and it's look. I I I think I think hyping up that you had this big signy. Um, I think that was a mistake. I, I, because and he is a big star and he is a great wrestler. And if he can still go, I'm confident he could still have a great, great couple of matches yeah. in him. Um, but again, it's like this this obsession with having them just come out and sign a contract. He should have. I, I would have loved if he came out and fucking 
laid out Matt Hardy or something just to have a, a, a starter program and a bit of surprise. Yeah. When you do when you when you announce on TV that you've got a big signing and then you big it up on the podcast, that it snowballed very quickly to the point that there was and it's not fair to Christian in the end because he's not he's not Brock Lesnar, but he's still he's still someone worth having. Um yeah. Yeah, I mean at the same time I understand the idea of have him come out and do his little signed contract and then on TV have the angle insofar as they can they can uh, promote that as like Christian will be on, what's he got to do? Da, da, da. Mm. But yeah, as you say, I've always been a fan of of surprises in wrestling and surprises in wrestling keeping the, the feeling going that anything can happen at any time. And if Christian showed up and did something as opposed to just Paul White was on and what did Paul White say early in the show? He was interviewed by was the Dasha interview him or was it somebody else? Yeah, and he's like he can out. He said, but he's on. He, he said he should have said he'll have a shirt that I think will sum up his personality because he said <laughs> he, this guy will outwork everyone. That's what he. That's what he yeah. said. He said like I'll give you a clue as to who it is. What the fuck kind of clue is that? <laughs> yeah, if you've seen his new T-shirt, you know, I get this clue. <laughs> he should have said I'll give you a clue. He was in the Royal Rumble. <laughs> He's got blonde hair. We, we have a game. Of, get the guess who out. We'll have a crack. Blonde hair, yes, he does. I'll give you a hint. If Tomko was still alive, he'd be here as well. <laughs> but but it's not Christian. Uh, critically, it's Christian Cage, which is I love that he's gone back to that cheap ass TNA name. <laughs> I, I like the name. I like the name. Well, I, know, look, I know he can't be Christian. I, I understand that. But Christian Cage, although it's like it's it's a fine name theoretically, you know, Nicholas Cage, Christian Slater. But something about the way it rolls off tongue and its association with. His TNA run that by the end of it, he couldn't fucking stand to be there anymore. He's coming out Christian Cage again. Remember Christian Cage? All it does is remind you of the TNA run. Oh, anyway. Anyway. So uh, that to- that took us to the uh, my my highlight of the show. And I can't believe I'm saying that, but the uh, the street fight between Sting and Darby Allen and Brian Cage yeah. and Ricky Starks. This was here's before we get into the match. I did think it was weird that they were like selling tickets to the idea of come see Sting's return match, and so you you got to sit in daily space and watch a little Darby Allen music video for twenty minutes. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, so that was funny. But anyway, they had a they had a they had as someone who would happily never see a cinematic match again for the rest of my life. They had probably the best version and the best balanced one of basically all the ones that have been so far, which was that they were very creative with the editing. I'm sure yeah. there was probably a moment or two where maybe Sting didn't look his best, but you wouldn't know it from this They And they and they took the opportunity not just to clean it up in editing, but it was stylized. They were in a nice location. They had lighting. They had smoke. They had drones doing some shooting, but there was no magic. There was no teleporting. There was no fucking um, uh, uh, beating up Sting. And, oh, he's after turning into Surfer Sting. Oh, I'm going to beat him up again. Oh, 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 he's turning into the Joker. Oh, no. Like, yeah. 
like, like uh, Sting, Sting just turning to Darby halfway through and saying, "Is it just me, or is this society we live in?" <laughs> like, you know, there was none of that sh- shit. It was just, it was just a stylized wrestling match in the warehouse yeah. where they filmed the Raw intro in 1997. Mm. I did like um, the half and half face paint they had. Oh, that was yeah. cool. That was cool. Yeah, mm. yeah that's good. That's good. I, I, yeah, I did enjoy it. Part of me was cringing a little bit at parts of it, but then I also was marking out at it, so I don't know. It kind of balanced out. And I liked the running was- of um, Hobbs and, and Hook. It was really cool. Was yeah. Cool. Sexy Hook. Sexy, <laughs> stupid, sexy hook. No, it was good. It was good um, um, and it, it's it's it did exactly what its main job was, which was that it made Sting look cool and still not not even just able to still go, but like everything you want out of the Sting character, you, you were still able to get out of it. He seemed like a baseball a, bat, a baseball bat standing around in the dark, being cool. <laughs> Um. Oh, and like he, and when Darby threw him down the baseball bat, and he caught it. Oh, it was great. Um, Darby took took some mental bumps. Obviously, the the swing through the the glass. Um, yeah, just just really really cool. Um, and I one thing I that was interesting until... about it. Um, Go on. was the that they did commentary over it. Which at the first mm. I, I took me a while to get used to, but goddamn Taz was so funny on it. <laughs> Who's driving that beautiful jalopy? That must be stinging there. <laughs> made enough money. <laughs> I don't know. It kind of worked for me with the commentary rather than you know uh, every time we've had like the spooky music and uh, the wrestlers talking to you the, the whole time. AJ, I'm the Undertaker. Ooh. And and it's that that adds to the hokiness for me. This time it was just, albeit they're editing over a, a weirdly slickly edited uh, thing. They're talking over it. Um, but yeah, it kind of worked for me. I don't know why. Um, do live commentary over it in future, please. Yeah, uh, yeah. Other than the, yeah, the commentary. If I if I could choose one or the other, I'd probably choose the commentary over the music. But but both was a, a mistake. Um, yeah. Any any other any other um, uh, any other points on that match or the pay per view on the whole? We've already talked about the main event, obviously. No, no, no. I think um, best match of the night, uh, given the circumstances. Uh, yeah, real shame. Really looking forward to this one. Watched it this afternoon, and uh, damn. <laughs> so I was enjoying it until that ending. That just kind of really leaves a sour taste in your mouth. Yeah, I th- I think at least having stayed up to watch it live, I was so delirious with tiredness that that added to the comedy of the finish of the show not working. It was it was mm. hilarious. Oh my god, we were laughing so hard at it. Uh, and I guess the only thing we need to touch on then, we weren't, obviously Dynamite was a bit of a, a nothing show apart from the Shaq tag team match. Which I liked a lot. Yeah, it was good. It was good uh, fun. Was Shaq good. did uh, minimal stuff, but what he did looked good. Jade looked good. 
he took the big old big old back bump off the apron through a table, which I wasn't expecting going in. Um, yeah, they really showcased the women, which was cool. And uh, the only yeah. weird thing was the the power bomb that Cody no sold and jumped straight up into the, <laughs> yeah. the Ho- Hogan Andre power slam straight afterwards. It's like what? Yeah, and Shaq did the uh, Shaq did the Brody Lee thing. Brody before he did yeah. that run. Yeah, yeah. Was cool. uh, what else was I going to say uh, about it? There's one thing um, was that yeah the the ambulance angle they did afterwards <laughs> wasn't in the ambulance. What was that? He's the fiend. Yeah, he's like uh, the Undertaker to heaven or something. Oh, imagine Shaq undertaking up to heaven. Oh no. Um, yeah, that was weird. I, I, are they going to do another match? Maybe I don't know. Um, uh, hard, hard to say. But anyway, yeah. It, uh, I thought for for what seemed to be her first match, Jade Cargo did fine. Um, not, you know, she's not. Um, Manami Toyota yet, but she was she was fine for for what she had to do. She good um, in that she's she's definitely got a lot of charisma, and she she is someone because of how like muscular she is. In addition to her, like she got like white hair, and so she's someone that channel changers if they still exist nowadays. Like, do you still use a remote to change a TV? I don't know. Uh, yeah, but those people, do, yeah. Just if they say she come on, they're gonna they're gonna check her out and say what's this what's this lady about. Yeah, yeah, she's a, a an eye catcher for sure, um, and and it it seems like you know it, I think that segment topped out at like one point three million, which is like their their highest like quarter hour rating since like the I think the I think the first episode of Dynamite. Now that I think about it, actually, um, so so they're obviously pretty happy with that. So yeah, yeah, it seems yeah. like it was a good it was a good success, and maybe they'll do more. Who knows if if Shaq's you know alive after going well, into ambulance. We, we have. We have NXT moving to Tuesdays now, so uh, yes, yeah. Potentially, we're going to be seeing more millions. Yeah. Um, right, will we leave the wrestling for there for this week. Is that enough? People, That's people got it. their fill. An hour, ten minutes of wrestling. An hour, yeah, and if you're one of those people who doesn't like the wrestling talk, sorry, but don't worry. This is the <laughs> this is the one a year we will do um, where we do it like that. Yeah, so you, you uh, don't get every pay per view that an explosion doesn't go off. That's so, right. Um, so we'll uh, we'll jump here into the um, the the usual your regularly scheduled CSP action here. Um, uh, not much on the old life golf front for me. Um, this would have been uh, the fourth year in a row I would have gone to Germany for for sixteen carat. Uh, if that were possible, it's obviously not. Uh, so I did take some days off work just for for to watch Revolution, but also just to have a long weekend in lieu of what would have been the Germany trip, just to just to not log on to work for for a day or a couple of days. And it's been nice, but I did not do a whole lot for it. Went to the park on Saturday, which is quite nice. Um, saw lots of dogs, which is good, and uh, got I went to a new fish and chip place in Limerick, which was quite tasty it was quite tasty uh, but beyond that not, not a lot going on in the old uh, life golf for me i did have my first takeaway in quite a while because obviously i was having none in february i did have the Mac- mcdonald's which i talked about last week and then i had takeaway was it yesterday or the day before like classic chips chipper mm. takeaway. that was very good um i also had a 
uh, a red Coke. I don't know what, what people call it, like a full full Coke, but it's not full, really. Oh, what I hate yeah, full normal fat Coke. Coke. I hate that term. Normal, 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 normal yeah. Normal. I had a regular Coke, uh, which is one of the first of those I've not had in like you know. If I go to a McDonald's or a cinema, I'd have one of them, but just in a bottle, regular Coke, probably the first one I've had in about a year and a half. Uh, it was very, very good. I also got, um, uh, since I'm I'm on video to Joe and Barry, unfortunately the listeners won't be able to see this, but Natty gave me a nice gift in the week, a surprise present. It's this. Okay. Paul is now walking. He's, oh, he's retrieving something. It's a, it's, a, it's a big plushy blue shell from uh, Mario. Wow. It, it looks it's a bit very like- big. Looks like what? Legion of Looks like Legion of Doom. Oh, it does. Of. Yeah, wearing the shoulders. You just need two of them, and you can like yeah do, do an indie show like as a, animal. It's like if you, uh, listeners imagine a, Le- a Legion of Doom shoulder pad, but it's a wrestling game, and you've pressed like L twice to get a different color on the outfit. Um, that's yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, so that came today in the post. I had no idea what it was. She told me that she saw something. And remind her of me, and she bought it. But she even I think she didn't realize it's going to be this big for like, it's a plushie, right? If people are listening to this, it's about I would say it's about forty five to sixty centimeters in diameter. It's about two feet wide. Um, it's and it's a big sizable. blue shell, it's the spiny shell to use its actual name. But uh, that was all that happened to me. Really, there was no post in the drive. I'm still waiting on the ever drive. That's not here yet. Uh-huh. Um. But like the, coming from Ukraine, I, I, I was anticipating that it's probably going to take three, four weeks anyway. So that's okay. I'm not worried about that. Um, no other news really for me. Oh, I'm off work you, next Joe? week. I'm off uh, work next week. Nothing too notable. Went for a very long walk this morning as Michelle and I were both off today. So we went over a nice old walk. We actually went into London, into the city, got training. Uh, which you're not supposed to do. It's supposed to be essential journeys only. Mm. Don't, don't anyone. But um, yeah, all masked up. And um, yeah, just had a long walk through the city and then got back this afternoon and watched uh, Dynamite, which was, uh, well, we've discussed that. Sorry, not Dynamite, mm. Revolution. Yeah, we've, Revolution. Uh, yeah. We've, we've discussed that enough, I think. So yeah, that's that's been about it. Quite a week. Alrighty, well, uh, that's uh, quite quite a life guff this week for us. Uh, movie guff, uh, Paul. Why don't you take us through the Godzilla guff there first before we do anything else? Okay, all I've watched again this week is Godzilla's. I'm up to number. I'm up to number twenty two now. Okay, so I've I've watched twenty one Godzilla movies in the last few weeks. Uh, I have another ten or so to go, and then Godzilla Kong I think is out on the thirty first. So I've like. 22 days to watch 11 movies give or take so if i keep watching one one every two days i'll i'll hit the mark uh i did buy on blu-ray i won't go over and get it but it's trust me it's there i bought a a crappy movie on blu-ray but one that i figured i'd buy for the rewatch godzilla king of the monsters from 2019 Mm. um big old heap of shite but uh yeah it's a bad movie um, all the other movies I could get are either on Netflix, Internet Archive that I spoke about, or I own already, but I don't own that one, so I did I did buy that. Um, okay, uh, I watched four this week. Uh, one really, really good. One okay. really, really bad. 
like the worst of the kaiju movies on my kaiju list. And then two that were kind of middling and a bit bland. So first I watched Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah or King Ghidra. He's the golden three-headed monster from King of the Monsters. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the Godzilla's Godzilla's Joker, Godzilla's nemesis. Um, this movie was a stinker, unfortunately. Uh, whereas the original Ghidorah from the original um, retconned um, what do you call it? Like Godzilla Universe from the, right. what's called the Showa series. Uh, that one was really good. That one's called Ghidorah, the Three-Headed Monster. This is like the re, the reboot of the Ghidorah story. And uh, I didn't like it at all. Let me pull up my review here quickly. I won't spend too long on these Godzilla movies because, as I said before, they kind of blur together. Um, yeah, so this one just had horrible special effects. Uh, it looked like a 60s movie despite it coming out in 1991. Uh, <laughs> dreadful dub um, there's a Terminator ripoff scene where an android runs really fast after a car. Uh, yeah, kind of rubbish from start to finish. Even the even the appearance of Mecha King Ghidorah could not save this one. Uh, I gave it one star, complete dud. Uh, the middling ones. Then I watched Godzilla vs Mecha Godzilla Two, which is not a sequel to Godzilla vs Mecha Godzilla. Fully enough, um, this one was just kind of boring and meandering. I wasn't super into it. Um, didn't help that the two other uh, monsters in this one, Rodan and Mechagodzilla, are two of the least mobile um, <laughs> creatures in the series. So a lot of the fighting was just these creatures shooting beams at each other whilst like staying perfectly still. Um, okay. Gave that one two stars. And then I watched today the very appetizingly named Godzilla versus Space Godzilla. <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, not as fun as it sounds like it would be. Um, another kind of boring rehash of previous ideas. The Space Godzilla design was pretty cool, and he he kind of took over a city with space crystals and stuff. It looked a little bit like um, the the Fortress of Solitude from the old Superman movies. But um, nah, the film itself was boring, and, and as I said, a rehash of all ideas. And then the only good one I watched this week, Godzilla vs. Mothra, which... Um, unbelievably compared to the other ones had its own like cohesive interesting plot with characters that you liked and cared about it was shocking um so i gave this one a big thumbs up uh, for someone who's looking to dip their toe into the old godzilla movies and not kind of interested to watch 30 movies like i have anything with mothra in the title and you're you're good check out the mothra movies and you'll be having a good time uh and that's all i watched uh joe do you watch any films this week oh quite a few films actually um so amazon prime on uh friday evening uh tuned into the long-awaited sequel to coming to america uh which is called coming to america with a two Ah. instead of a two uh which is a follow-up to the the eddie murphy movie from the 80s where he plays an african uh, Prince, who goes to New York in search of uh, a wife or kind of just getting out of his, his father's shadow. And a, fa- a fantastic movie, one of my kind of favourite comedies, one of those classics of 80s Eddie Murphy movies. Um, 
God knows why they made the sequel. I mean, of course, the reason they made it is because all the streaming services are <laughs> mining and absolutely just pilfering the corpses of every <laughs> franchise that exists. Every you IP. Frasier reboot. We'll probably get a Cheers reboot. You know, God, if, if it's been done before, they'll do it again. So we got the sequel, and it, it, uh, most of the cast is back for it. Um, but also, of course, as most of these rebooted kind of movies do, features a whole new cast as well to go alongside the, the old cast, because you don't want to watch the old farts in the movie, just you want to kind of new people. So the premise is that uh, Prince Akeem, played by Eddie Murphy, uh, has a bastard son uh, in New York uh, from his visit there. And that son is now going to be the new heir um, to to the throne. Um it's not a, like a complete stinker, you know, certain, some comedies where you just feel like smashing your face into a wall and switching it off. It's not that bad, but again, it is just pointless and not particularly interesting or funny. Um, the odd scene maybe raises a laugh, but Eddie Murphy is, is strange. It's not like he tries to be funny and isn't. He just doesn't do anything funny. He just says dialogue none of it is particularly kind of interesting or funny um a lot of the new characters are not remotely interesting um he has three daughters in in the um film as well and the conceit is that they're they expected to take over the throne but because it's a kind of patriarchy it has to be a son and so they these three you know daughters are all pissed off but they don't really have any character or do anything interesting uh it, it recalls a lot of the kind of jokes from the first film and it's it's just very very tired so thumbs kind of pointing slightly down as in it wasn't terrible but it also nothing mm-hmm. nothing really worth watching as a big big disappointment uh, the old four o'clock thumb yeah yeah not, yeah not good, <laughs> not good not good um we also watched a film from i think 2009 called jennifer's body um Ooh. which mm. stars megan fox and amanda seyfried um, which is a movie I kind of maybe vaguely remember it, but it wasn't wasn't a particular hit. The script was written by uh, Diablo Cody, um, and it's actually a kind of much more interesting film than you'd probably guess from looking at the poster, uh, because the poster is just a picture of Megan Fox with her baps out, basically. Because this this Ooh. this oh hello, they're interested. Um, <laughs> this this was the um, the point. Obviously, Megan Fox was at a kind of you know a biggest sort of in the in, back in the two thousands, going into the twenty right. tens. So when the movie came out, they just marketed it completely as a ooh Megan Fox's sexy movie. Um, but she's not even the, the lead character. Amanda Seyfried plays the lead character, and it's a essentially a horror comedy about kind of demonic possession and kind of mysterious you know, murders in a small town and it's actually pretty it's, it's a really funny movie the the script by by diablo cody is very witty lots of really funny jokes in it um lots of kind of really fun supporting characters as well and the the themes of it are really interesting it's all about kind of you know puberty and and being a, a girl in high school and and periods and, and female friendship all the all these kind of themes that are done through the horror which is is really really quite cool so that's that's one that i think a lot of people may have overlooked but i think it's maybe had a bit of a renaissance more recently but uh yeah really good movie jennifer's body i think there is though my only criticism would be that there's a a point probably 30 40 minutes in uh, which the movie takes a bit of a turn before that you don't really know what's going on it keeps you really in suspense and lots of kind of things happen and you're kind of on the edge of your seat then they get to half an hour 
and they just have a big kind of exposition scene where they explain everything that's happened and what's happening and it's a bit like right. oh, okay i'm not quite as engaged now because you just sort of told me everything but um apart from that that's the only flaw i would say the other night it was, it was a pretty good movie definitely would would recommend checking that out i think on prime or netflix it was um okay. that was good we watched a movie called northern soul which was a set in the 70s about the northern soul music movement in 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 northern britain um uh, forgettable to be honest it was it was a fine movie it's kind of like coming of age this kid who discovers northern soul music and gets into the scene and uh, stuff happens <laughs> wouldn't recommend it it's fine if, if you're interested in that kind of thing it, it's worth a watch but not a high recommendation uh and finally i watched sorry to bother you um, ah. So I think it's a movie Barry mm. reviewed before. Have you reviewed this, Paul? Or have you seen yes. it? Yes. You did see it as well. Mm-hmm. Now, I I didn't know too much about the movie. I heard it was just kind of a bit very weird, a bit surreal, and quite sort of, you know, I know a very auteur movie. Um, mm. I watched it, and I was not bored for a single second of this movie. That's what I can say. <laughs> it was entertaining from start to finish, relentlessly entertaining. I just... I thought it was fantastic, right? And a really kind of epic feeling movie as well in terms of where it starts to where it finishes. It goes through so many kind of different layers and and, and the character goes on such a kind of journey, which a lot of films really struggle to do um, to give it that kind of grand feel. But this really, really did. I thought it was fantastically well written. Um, the symbolism of it and the kind of anti-capitalism allegory is worn very much on the sleeve. Like it's not, it's not subtle at all. It literally just does the things that it's, uh, it kind of believes like to the point of uh, black people kind of putting on a white voice, but they literally are given a white voice. You know, it's not, there's no metaphors here. We're just going to literally give them a white person's voice to kind of make the point. And I thought that was really, really, really good, really interesting. I think it's better to, you know, if you're going to be completely sort of in in your face, uh, then, then go the whole hog with it. So, um, yeah, really, really good film. I would 100% recommend that. And a great a kind of interesting term from Mr. Army Hammer as well, who, given kind of recent tabloid um, <laughs> revelations, is really perfect, even better for that yeah. part in hindsight yeah. than he was at the time. And he was, he was perfect for it at the time. But yeah, that was uh, yeah, a great part. And everyone else is in it. It's fantastic as well. Tessa Thompson, Lakeith Stanfield, uh, Jermaine Fowler, who's also in um, Coming to America. Uh, I think he was definitely better in this one, if I had to, had to pick a role. But uh, yeah, sorry to bother you. I'll give that a big, big thumbs up. Like uh, one of the best movies I've seen definitely so far this, this year. And that's me movies. Good stuff. Yeah, I love Sorry to Bother You. Uh, some movies there for myself. Um, movie I saw before, uh, rewatched Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring uh, last night before before Revolution. Uh, I'm not a big Lord of the Rings guy, you know, Brona is. Uh, we watched the extended edition, which I have to say, for, for an extended edition film that is that long, I... I, I it didn't. It didn't feel as 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 long. It didn't feel as long as Revolution. I'll say that much. Um, it was. Uh, it, it's a fairly breezy movie considering the length of it. Um, I I enjoyed it. I I just uh, those movies are just not my. They're not my thing. Um, 
on a, on, a, on a, I think just on a character level, I just don't click with any of those characters. Right. Um, but I think it still holds up as like an incredible production. The visual effects still really hold up, and I uh, both in terms of the computer generated ones, but then also the, just tons of like amazing set design and on location shoots and like outfits and production design. It's an incredible, it's an incredibly crafted film. So even if you don't really click with it like i don't it's still a, a really fantastic uh, production so we watched that that was solid we'll probably uh, uh work through the rest of them uh in the next few weeks i've actually never seen the hobbit films i can't imagine if i don't really love lord of the rings that i'm not going to get much out of them either but no they are far worse <laughs> i'll say that much the the <laughs> mid the middle one is good the first one is a complete mess, and the third one is is pretty dreadful because Peter Jackson at that point threw his hands up and goes, oh, "I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. What am I doing here?" So I would I would nearly give them a miss to be honest. Um, hey, if, you, if you're going to be forced to watch them, if you, if you're going to be not be forced to watch them, but if you're going to watch them, um, and you're watching the first one going, "Oh, not sure about this," the second one is the best one. So at least hang around for that one, but then know okay. that it goes off a cliff very badly immediately afterwards. Okay, uh, I, I I'm not sure if we will include um, uh, all of all of those in in the rewatch, but we'll definitely be watching the the main ones. Yeah. yeah. Um, so fast forwarding a little bit here, I watched some more recent movies, some late 2020, early 2021 films. Uh, I didn't realize, again, I think I said this last week, everything's so up in the air with COVID stuff is like technically coming out in like five theaters across the globe and digitally. And it's kind of hard to keep track of. Apparently that Monster Hunter movie came out in December uh, the the Mila Jovovich Paul uh, W S Anderson one yeah uh, so I watched that I don't I don't know why I sought it out because I don't no, like I. the resident because uh, <laughs> I don't like the Resident Evil movies I have never played Monster Hunter it's not even a thing I have an affinity for um, it's not bad it's about the same level of not bad as like the first Resident Evil movie which is like okay there's some good enough kind of action in here it's kind of a fun dumb romp in some ways but paul ws anderson he's just bad enough a director to make it not even really that fun by the end um uh, and mila jovovich is shit she is a shit actress um especially now kind of she's been doing this kind of movie for like 15 years and in right. this one it, it's it's kind of like she's like uh, playing like a military like she's a captain of her unit or whatever so they're trying to play her as like this grizzled kind of more tough experienced soldier it does not work at all um it's not terrible some good enough effects in it some nice set pieces they set up the world in a interesting enough way but they do it all in the second half of the film all at the tail end of the film they to say they leave it open for a sequel would be, be very, very generous. They kind of set up the final act of the film and then it ends. It's re right. it's the most shameless sequel-y thing ever. Um, so yeah, all the interesting world-building stuff is backloaded and the entire first half of the film is just completely just 
Millie Ovich's character is plucked out of the middle, literally plucked out of the desert where she's on patrols, thrown into Monster Hunter world, and she has to survive. And there's very little story or context given until the second half of the film. And that first half where she's just surviving is hit and miss. Some of the effects are good, some of them are not. Some of the set pieces are good, some of them are not. So it's it's not any kind of recommendation, but it's it's not terrible. Um, I watched. I didn't realize I, that she's married to uh, Paul W. S. Anderson. But yeah, so so and and that's the thing is that like not only is it obviously very cynical that he is cashing <laughs> a check making really shitty Resident Evil movies and casting his wife, but now they're just literally going on to the next Capcom franchise they got their hands on and doing the exact same thing again. Um I mean whatever, like that that's a hustle I can respect. Um yeah, cuz cuz the thing is I don't see her in anything other than his movies uh, cuz she's terrible. Um, but yeah, um, I watched I Care a lot, which is a a prime movie. Paul, let me let me let me pitch this one to you. I think you'll you'll really uh, be in, be intrigued by it. What about a sort of epic? Uh, what if what if a a woman took charge in this world movie by behaving like a shithead, starring Rosamund Pike, and they kind of sacrifice. Um, like story details and crafting a decent film in the name of epic swerves. Um, does, this sound, <laughs> does this sound at all familiar to you? Yeah, is this uh, a sequel to a David Fincher movie? <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah, it's, it's not. I I didn't dislike it as much as I as you disliked Gone Girl. Um, but so basically, uh, Rosamund Pike plays this. Um, She's a gar- a state guardian who like looks after infirm people or elderly people who perhaps don't have all their faculties. You know, their families bring them to court, say, my mother can't take care of herself. Rosamund Pike's character is assigned their guardian. But basically, they establish in like, the opening kind of montage of the film that she's basically, she's got a scam going. Her and her buddies at the retirement home and her buddy who's a doctor, they have a extremely horrible, cynical um hustle going where the doctor is uh, falsely declaring the person to be unable to look after themselves the judge who isn't in on it but is obviously very easily swayed by kind of pike's charm assigns her as the guardian and she like sucks their bank account dry and possesses all their assets and t- and stuffs them away in this old folks home and also so they do this great job of like establishing her as this like absolute like shithead um like 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 right. a, 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 a like a white collar gangster basically like she has a fancy suit she goes to a nice office she shakes hands with the judges but she's the biggest crook going and they find this one old lady and they're like oh this is the one this is the one no family on the books um she talks to her doctor she lives on her own um so if we try and do this hustle on her she's going to have no one to talk to and we'll we'll leech her dry and it turns out that they're biting off more than they could chew. Um, and she is actually related to a, like the Russian mob. And uh, Peter Dinklage is in it as a kind of mafia top dog. When he sees that his mother is being kind of um, uh, cordoned off from him, that it, it, it kind of starts this kind of cat and mouse game between him and Pike's character. Great premise, super interesting. It's not so much a a, a storyline logic hole problem that, that in the way Gone Girl was. 
I just could not believe when about halfway through this, the film, it became kind of obvious that what they want you to do is like root for Rosamund Pike's character in a way that I could right. not possibly get on board with because Peter Dinklage's character, he is just the most straight up kind of beige gangster antagonist. He's not remotely sympathetic. He's like a, a violent sociopath. He sends his thugs to just get her out of the home and they kill a security guard. They, they rough up her girlfriend they try and kill Rosamund Pike. She has like this dramatic escape. And about halfway through the film, I was like, I, I, I can't believe the way that this is playing out is that they're kind of portraying her as kind of like an anti-hero. It's, right. it is, it's, it's like Scarface, but <laughs> it's like Scarface, but somehow like, instead of doing loads of Coke and having a giant gun, he was just ruining old people's lives for his own benefits. <laughs> you know, um, you know, it's kind of an everybody sucks movie. I think that is the the general vibe they're going for. But it's but I feel like you kind of you kind of need to have something of an anti. She needs to have some kind of not redeeming quality. I don't know if she, she doesn't have to be a hero. But I just was watching this going. I just hope everyone in this movie dies. I just really hope that the that, that everyone um, uh, there's some horrible massacre where both sides are killed, and that's not what happens. Um, yeah, it was it was it was really kind of frustrating. The first half of the film where they established the racket and all the characters, I was like, this is this is good. This is like interesting, and and uh, I'm interested to see how this blows up in their face. And 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 somewhere along the way, they kind of want you to treat that character as the hero, and I just I, just, I couldn't get into it. So yeah, I'd give that a miss. That's on Amazon if anyone's curious. Um, and the last film I watched, another one I, I wish I'd given a miss, was Tom and Jerry. The uh, HBO Max reboot or or why, whatever it is. Why did you watch um, that? Why did you watch that, Barry? What was the motivation? Good question. To watch Tom and Jerry. <laughs> I just, I just want to get across, right? You you still haven't watched um, The Godfather. You watched Tom and Jerry and Monster Hunter this week. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, Tom and Jerry was dreadful. I mean it was it was it was really bad. And it was one of those ones where I was like, I can't imagine even a three-year-old getting anything out of this because the main issue is that it, it, there's a bunch of human characters and it's just it's like it is like they were making this god awful film with Chloe Grace Moretz where she's trying to get a job in a fancy New York hotel, but she's struggling to do it and she's a klutz and she's trying to prove that she can, you know, she's worth hiring and all this other stuff. And it's like someone came in halfway through the production and they were like, lads, this is shit. What are you doing? You didn't, you got yeah, Michael Pena in it. He's really fucking annoying and shit. Why'd you have him? Chloe Grace Moretz is absolutely, it's like, what is this movie? I'll tell you what, fuck this. We're going to try and save it. I'm going to ring Warner Brothers, see if we can get the Tom and Jerry license and we'll stitch some CGI characters <laughs> into this to try and make it some way salvageable because it's like it's like that that premise with with the chloe grace moretz character that's the thrust of the movie she's like the protagonist right. she's trying to uh, she like hustles her way into a job in this fancy hotel michael pena's character is like a bit of a dickhead who doesn't really like her and doesn't want her to have the job he sucks up to uh, rob mulaney who's the boss of the hotel and they have that whole dynamic going on. And along the way, Tom and Jerry are just sort of there. Um, it's really, really weird. Um, and it's, it's quite terrible. I like the animation uh, enough. It's not the best looking, um, uh, one of these films ever, but, um, 
yeah, no, it's 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 not it's not even worth a curiosity watch. Um, it's it was quite terrible. Um, so yeah, I watched a lot of shit this week. I watched a lot of shit this week, um, and I'm hoping to uh, to check out some better stuff by by next week's show. Uh, that's my movies. Okie dokie, yeah. very good. You want to do a quick Tevey? Yeah, I haven't watched anything, so... Alright, I watched two episodes of The Simpsons that are not chronological, but are thematically linked. Okay. Um, so I watched The Front, first of all, which is the episode where Grandpa writes for Itchy and Scratchy. Oh, yeah. And says, that's right, I did the Iggy, which is one of my favorite Simpsons <laughs> quotes. Iconic, iconic CSP line. <laughs> <laughs> which was repeated by Steve Austin in that one Royal Rumble where he got accidentally eliminated. So he had to give Shawn Michael the yes, I did the Iggy. Did you ever hear that, Cliff? I gave Shawn the Iggy. Actually, the Iggy is apparently <laughs> a sign that the rest is give each other. Anyway. <laughs> um, I've never heard this. I've never heard this. There's a clip. You, you, you go to YouTube after you find that Shinsuke Nakarama video and then watch that. <laughs> um... But no, that, the, where Grandpa's right for and scratchy, but the the B plot is that Homer never graduated high school, and so he has to complete a remedial science one A to get his oh, yeah. uh, K who 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 lives closest to the award ceremony award back. And then I followed that up with Homer goes to college, where Homer has to go back to uh, college after he's found to be dangerously underqualified for the job he has. And of course, that one is written by Conan O'Brien. It's a very Conan O'Brien episode. But uh, yeah, from seasons four and five. I don't know why, after I watched the first one, Homer Goes to College came into my head, and I just had to kind of stick it on and watch that one. Uh, those two were very, very good. Um, also, we are back on Lost, because Disney Star is out now in Europe, in the UK and Ireland, um, which is, you know, I don't know if they have that in the US. I think Star is like a second no. thing, I guess. Um, no, it's like yeah. um, it's there. All, most of the stuff we got on that is it's on just, Hulu, right? Hulu. It's on Hulu, yeah, which we don't have. So they basically just—it's a front for for American Hulu stuff. Yeah. yeah. So we get all the Hulu stuff on Disney Plus now, which is pretty cool. Um, hmm. Included is Lost, a show that I absolutely adore, uh, and that Natty has never seen. So we had already watched seasons one and two way back, like two years ago. We watched seasons one and two, and for one reason or another, we didn't complete it right um but now that it's on star it seemed like a good opportunity right let's let's finish lost let's get these four, last four seasons out of the way that being said i'm a sucker for physical media ever since i was a kid going down the morning opening the little vhs case putting the little video in yeah and so instead of disney plus which again is the reason why we're watching them i have my my lost DVDs. <laughs> we're watching. We're watching them on DVD. So we watched, and also Disney Plus or whatever stars, whatever, whatever you want to call it, uh, doesn't have any special features, which usually Disney Plus is actually pretty good for. But for Lost, it has no special features. So we started off with a little um, clip show. So we watched. Uh, there was a little clip show they put out before the season three premiere, just to catch people up on it. So we watched that again first, just to remind ourselves on what we need to know. Then we watched all of the season one and season two special features, and we've watched the first two episodes of season three. Um, it's great. I love it. Can't say too much more about it than that. 
so yeah, so we put Legend of Core just on hold for a little while. We're just gonna watch Lost first, and then we'll go back to Legend of Core. Um, and yeah, season three is is notable for being the uh, the first of all happened during the writer the writer strike, if we all remember when that happened back in the day. But also, it was it's notable for being the point at which the show went from um, a show with no determined end date to a show with a very determined end date. And so in the middle of season three, which I, I'm still to watch and I'm very apprehensive by watching it, there's a good like three or four episodes which are completely filler um, and have nothing to do with anything. And then very quickly the show becomes a lot more focused again and plows on towards its finale. So I'm really excited to get on to that second half of season three because to me that's probably like the peak of the show's run. Um, and I can't wait to find out what happens in the end. Did it get rescued? What well, off the island? What's happening? <laughs> oh, what's the monster? I don't know. So yeah, love a bit lost me. Uh, is that the only telly? Uh, that's about Joe? it. I also watched those same two episodes of The Simpsons, uh, just because <laughs> Michelle and I are rewatching all of them in order. And right. So yeah, we, watched, yeah, yeah. we watched the front and Homer goes to college. I think okay. Homer goes to college is up there with the Monorail episode for me. Like it's, it's fantastic. Probably yeah. my top top three or four. Uh, very very good. We also watching Dawson's yeah, both, Creek. Both Conan O'Brien. Conan, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love all the Conan, all the Conan episodes. Uh, yeah, we also watching Dawson's Creek, uh, which is one of Michelle's kind of teen teenage. Uh, years favorites. Um, right. uh, previously, you know, she got me onto the Gilmore Girls, which I was skeptical about, but ended up loving. Uh-huh. Yeah, me too. Dawson's Creek, not so much. It's a bit oh. shit. <laughs> it does not hold up well at all. The dialogue is so cringeworthy. And uh, oh my God, pa- I, don't, I can't remember which one's which, Pacey or Dawson, but like James Vanderbeek. His character is so fucking insufferable. He's such <laughs> a wet blanket. I could happily uh, strangle him or kind of throw him off of an abandoned building through a thing and do a coffin right. drop on him. That would be my... <laughs> coffin drop. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of mainly what I've been watching. But uh, we'll keep watching it. I'm sure it gets better. Wink, yeah. wink. Joshua Jackson's in that as well, right? Yeah, he's he's not bad in it, but Katie Holmes is in it as well. Oh my god, she just oh yeah, yeesh. yeesh. So yeah, that's about it. Radio. Uh, that is our lot for the telly. What about the old um, game guff? Um, I forgot to mention last week. Actually, I started Alan Wake. Mm-hmm. Um, the old remedy horror game on the old Xbox 360. It's on. It's on Game Pass, so I gave it a start. Really, really enjoying it. It's in a nice episodic stu- structure. About ninety minutes, two hours an episode, and then there's like a recap of what happened in the last episode. More games should have that. That's great. <laughs> um, right. Beyond that, not not playing too much else uh, in the last two weeks. I don't think I'm gonna finish Mario 64. I, oh no! <laughs> it's I. It's like it. It hurts my gut to just say it, but like if this was a like by the standards of a new game, which is not fair to judge it on because I know it's not. I'm like this is just not fun. I'm just not having any fun with it whatsoever. Um, especially because playing 3D World at the same time, I'm just like, all right, why am I playing current 3D Mario and the one that literally invented the genre? It's just not fair to the to the classic. Uh, so I don't. I, I think I might just jump straight into Galaxy. 
but um, uh, I have not yet done that. But yeah, no, no other, no other new games for me this week. Okay, I, I'm playing lots of games this week because I, I found myself with Final Fantasy. I'm still very much enjoying it. I'm still going to beat it, but I found myself at a bit of a mental block with it, where I'm really struggling to get into the mood to play it. So okay. I, I would do a little bit of a, a palate cleanser, a little bit of a, a bit of a refresh. For video games, I said, "Okay, I'll dip my toe in some other video games, and then they'll eventually get me back in the mood to play Final Fantasy." So, uh, what am I playing? So, I finished uh, Phantom Hourglass, Legend of Zelda: Phantom Hourglass. Um, definitely one of my least favorites in the Zelda series. Um, so happy that that's done. I've started since uh, a new one, Triforce Heroes on the 3DS, which is very different. It's not a. It's not a. Um, an open world RPG adventure game. It's like a it's more like a puzzle game. Um, it, I guess it's still like a top down slashing with your sword, but like you're controlling three characters at once, and you have to do various beat various enemies and do like various switches and stuff to get to the next room and stuff like that. And it's done in like levels rather than an open world. It's fine for like playing for half an hour here and there but it's not really grabbed my attention either i I will beat it i do have a a guide for it that i'm using as i play through and it's not a very long game but um because it doesn't have the narrative thrust that the other zelda games have it does not really grab me but it's fine it's okay Um, and i finished a game this week called old man's journey which is uh, a game oh yeah that is forever on sale on the old nintendo switch i think Mm. i probably got it for like a euro (laughs) <laughs> or something like that might have even been free um it is a very cute a very nice little puzzle narrative adventure game where okay. there's no dialogue in the whole game it's like an hour and a half long maybe it took me like two hours but it's very short and you're controlling this old man and you're getting from like the left hand side of the screen to the right hand side of the screen in, in classic video game uh form the thing is what you're controlling is the the like um foreground and background of the the setting so like there's hills right and there's like a bridge and so you're you're actually moving that stuff up and down to allow the character to make his way across by jumping back and forth between the foreground and the background so actually they're all on one plane for all intents and purposes it's very simple you very rarely get stuck in it but like i would say for the one or two euro that it cost me absolutely absolutely worth it it's like a nice little simple game very stress-free game the the story tells actually very nice um and yeah just just uh if you're if you're in the mood for a chill simple puzzle game and at very cheap price it looks very nice the music is excellent really well put together not necessarily a game that's going to blow anybody's socks off but definitely very uh very nice. So I give a thumbs yeah. up on Old Man's Journey. Um, and then I've also started playing Stardew Valley because Natty got a special edition physical copy of Stardew Valley. Oh, nice. Yeah, she wanted all the extra bits and bobs. She actually has started. She's like 700 hours in Stardew Valley. She's like, like I am with Zelda. She is with Stardew Valley. Uh, and that came, of course, with the physical edition. So I was like, well, you better be giving me that a go at that physical edition because I, I don't have Stardew Valley. And so I started playing that. I'm probably about five hours in. I'm enjoying the gameplay loop of it a lot. I I didn't think I was going to be that much into it, but I, I'm actually finding it very fun to play. 
Um, it, yeah. What's good about it is it's it's a farming sim for all intents and purposes, but there's like more to it. There's like a, a twin peaksy dark underbelly to it. But also the, what yeah. keeps the game ticking is it's constantly giving you like objectives to do, to work towards. So it doesn't feel okay. like you're just grinding aimlessly to to make your farm or some nebulous goal like that. It, it breaks the, the objectives down into smaller things. Like right now I'm trying to get my coop, right? I have to build a coop, which is you need 4,000 gold, 300 uh, wood, and 100 stone, let's say. So you're doing your your things every day, almost like Animal Crossing, where you're like talking to all the people yeah. in the village. Along the way, you find these other objectives that you're doing. You're picking them up as you go. And at the end of the day, you've increased your money by this much. You've increased your wood by chopping down trees by this much, etc. And so every day, it feels like you do make progress towards your 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 goals. The goals aren't so big that you feel like it's just grinding with no yeah. um, payoff. And yeah, I, the music is great. Um, graphically, it's what I was saying about like Link to the Past. I love that Super Nintendo pixel art like in a non-modern way, graphic style. Yeah. So I, I, I totally up my street in that way. Uh, so I'm really, really enjoying that so far. And um, finally, I cancelled my pre-order for Pokemon Snap. Um, because I... You, people, you might recall I had that like won that voucher at work, and so I used my one for all voucher to buy a Nintendo credit, which I used to then pre-order Pokemon Snap. Right? Okay. I, for one reason or another, was just on the Switch looking at the Switch Online stuff, and I was reminded that about that like buy two vouchers for ninety nine euro and buy get oh, two games. Yeah. That thing. You yeah. forgot about that. So I was like, why am I buying Pokemon Snap at full price, like a mark, when <laughs> I can? buy Pokemon Snap for the same price, and then get, like, another game for 30-something euro. Uh, so, I got myself Mario 3D World and Bowser's Fury for, Lovely. like, 20 euro off. I was like, all right. Yeah. That, that is the, the discount I needed to dip my toe into that one. And, uh, yeah, I started playing it yesterday. I'm, I haven't pl- touched Bowser's Fury yet. I'm going to beat 3D World before I uh, before I start that. And I had 3D World on the Wii U, didn't get very far into it, probably like Second World or World 2. At like, at the yeah. I don't know why. I, I never, I wasn't playing much games at that time. I, I bought it and then just never got into it. Uh, I started yesterday the game. Uh, I'm on World 5 already with every star, every stamp, every gold flag. <laughs> playing it like I play those games. Uh, loving it. And I mean, Joe... Yeah, it's great. This is definitely a game that you will enjoy. Let me say that right off the bat. What it reminds me of, I don't know, Barry, if, if you feel the same way, it reminds me of almost a modern interpretation of like Mario Bros. 3. That's what it feels okay. to for me in the way that the the overworld map is laid yeah. out. You have the toad houses and, and stuff lifted from that game. Enemies moving around the uh, the overworld map. Also, that the, the, the importance on like power-ups seems to me more than yeah. other games and more kind of in a way that they were used in, in Mario Bros. 3. So it almost feels like a a modern, you know, 20, whatever year, it actually originally came out, 2014 or whatever, um, imagining of like a, a sequel to Mario Bros. 3. It almost feels like spiritually a, a follow-up from that game, which, uh, yeah, I'm really, really enjoying. It's not super difficult, although I believe the difficulty no. ramps up in the later game. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm playing a single player, of course, uh, I'm not playing a multiplayer. I love some of the level designs are really, really clever. Um, 
I, you can play it like simply as like just get to the end level, or you can collect the three stars along the way, which of course I'm doing, and that gives you the replayability that you know you crave playing one of those games. All the power ups are really fun to, yeah. to use. I think the cat power is almost a little bit overpowered. <laughs> I think that's too powerful because you can climb up walls and also use like the punch thing. Um, yeah, so that's almost the, the most powerful one, but um. No, I'm really, really, really enjoying it. So big, big thumbs up on on Mario 3D World. Even though it kind of got not great reviews, I'm totally into it. I think it's really great, and it looks. Beautiful. I'm like, yeah, it looks great. It it plays great. Um, yeah, and I think it's a, it's a very weird, cool marriage of uh like 2D Mario philosophy and 3D control. Yes, absolutely. Um, uh, yeah, so I I went back and redid we're playing it together but i kind of went back and did some of the like you said get the extra stars on the missions we'd already done and yeah, yeah it's yeah. just uh, always like they always just th- those games all the 3d mario games it's always just so much nuances and hidden t- hidden tidbits it's it's great yeah it's also very very easy to pick up and play a level mm. yeah you know or two levels like it, it's it it, it it almost like odyssey was with the moons like you pick it up and get five moons Feels mm-hmm. similar in, in that aspect, but yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. I obviously don't like it as much as Odyssey, but it's 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 up there for me. I think I'm I'm enjoying it way more than I remembered enjoying it originally. I don't know why I I didn't play it the first time, but I'm totally into it. It's, it's great. And that's all the games. That is all the games. We'll jump into our emails here before we sign off for the night. Go for it. Um, I have an email here from Michelle. She's giving me a pick one, and she says they are actors with Adam in their name. So we've got Adam Driver, mm-hmm. Adam Sandler, right, or Amy Adams. Okay, you know, quick one, right? I was mm. watching an episode of The Soup from 2012, and they showed a clip of like CSI or something. And Adam Driver was on it. And that was before he was in, like, Girls or anything. So this was, like, really early <laughs> Adam wow. Driver. And there was no reference to him being Adam Driver, in, like, on the soup. It was just a clip from CSI. Oh, here's a wacky clip. But it was Adam Driver in it. Um, I really um, like Adam Driver, of course. Mar- marriage Story, straight to mind. Yes. Star Wars. Force Awakens. Not the other two so much. Uh, well, I, I would say Force Awakens and Last Jedi. I wouldn't say uh, the last one, but those first two are real good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Black Clansman as well for him. Yes, 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 yes. Black Clansman, yeah, great, great. Um, I mean, not to jump ahead, but Adam Sandler, are we saying Punch Drunk Love and uh, Uncle Gems and leaving it at that? The Wedding Singer, that's pretty good. Oh, Big no. Daddy. Water boy. Um, I do, I I still to this day don't know how I feel about Adam Sandler. I don't know. I feel like I feel like even some of his good the good era stuff is just really overrated. I, I think a lot of his movies are incredibly annoying. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and then Amy Adams has uh, a rival. Oh, a rival, of course. Um, uh, the, the Muppets, Master, the Muppets, Muppets. The Master. Uh, her, her, um, Batman vs Superman: Dawn of Justice. Oh, <laughs> all the, all the, all the Snyder verse. You get all the Snyder verse if you pick Amy Adams. 
Oh, she uh, was in she was in Talladega Nights and the Tenacious D movie. Apparently, no memory of her she, being in either yeah. of those. She is so bad in those Batman movies. Oh my god, she's or Superman, I guess. Um, yeah. Um, I feel like I. I feel like I'm gonna go Driver. Yeah, I think so. I'm I'm going Adams mainly on the strength of Arrival and the Muppets. I watched Arrival last week actually. Didn't review oh, yeah. it, but um, God, it's yeah, great. Yeah. I love that movie. Yeah. I absolutely love that. So yeah, that and a few others. It's got to be Adams. I do like Driver as well, but I just not. I don't know. Apart from Force Awakens, I don't really like too many of his movies. Mm. I'm sure I've seen him in other stuff that I've enjoyed him in. Um, although he is he's a bit goofy looking. I'll give him that. <laughs> Uh, what else have I seen him in? Midnight Special, he's he's quite good in as well. Uh, While We're Young, that weird uh, Noah Baumbach, uh, Ben Stiller movie, he's quite good in that. Mm. Uh, what If, remember that with Harry Potter in it? Oh, yeah. Inside Lewin Davis, of course. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go Adam Driver. Adam Driver got the best, the best movies here for me. Mm. Okay. Oh, hello. Uh, thanks, Michelle, for the email. You let's have an email. Uh, yeah, I've one for Michelle as well. Hi, Paul. I occasionally listen to the Blank Check podcast, where they go through the filmography of directors who had early success and were given blank checks to make whatever they wanted. Sometimes they clear, sometimes they bounce. That's a great little uh, promo for that podcast, Michelle. <laughs> um, they have two uh, two plus hour episodes, so I only listen if I like the director, like Noah Ephron. They're currently doing the series about the two guys who directed the biggest chunk of the the Disney Renaissance, which has been super interesting. I think you'd like the series, and have you and will have you rewatch some classics. Thanks. Oh, sorry, the dog just jumped up in bed. I think my brother listens to that because he's been watching recently, like Hercules and Treasure Planet and stuff like that. I think that might be the same series that Michelle's talking about. Um, yeah, I'll look into adding it to the rotation, but I'm like. I'm behind on my New Day podcast. That's why I've been listening to these days. Uh, so thank you, Michelle. I will definitely look into that and uh, into rewatching Hercules because yeah. I don't think I've seen that since I was in the cinema. I haven't seen a lot of those kind of late Disney. I think the last Disney movie I was sort of young enough for was probably Aladdin. Right. So a lot of those kind of 90s or mid-90s ones I haven't seen. Like Treasure Planet, I've never seen. Yeah, I came to that later. Treasure Planet and Atlantis and stuff like that. Mm. But they're okay. Yeah, yeah, cool. Uh, well, I have one email just to finish us off for the evening. Um, it's from Mr. Will Sewell. Uh, subject, debate Carly. Uh-oh, here we go. Um, hi, Joe. I think we could revamp the old segment. Uh, one debater gets one minute to argue one side of a subject, then the other a minute for a rebuttal. A debate is then had, and then the chair, you in this case, decides a winner. For example, I would like Barry to argue that chair shots to the head are good and Paul to argue that they are bad. I would okay. rotate the chair I would rotate the chair and topic for next week's show and we can find out who the who the debatist Carly is. Cool. Okay, so give us I don't know if we got a minute. Give us Barry your best argument that for chair shots to the head. In 30 seconds or less. Okay, well, 
30 seconds or less. Sorry, right, I can do that. Well, here's the thing. Um, they sound class and look class and are better than every conceivable substitute. Listen, it's not only nowhere near as satisfying, it's cringeworthy every time someone in WWE like lifts a chair and then goes, oh, no, I'll, I'll pop you in the belly and then I'll pop you in the back. And it's like, rubbish listen i don't care how concerned you are for his health right he's rich who cares cody rhodes getting bonked in the head by sean spears that's the best thing the 10 guy has ever done in his entire career okay um it's it it may be dangerous but that's pro wrestling maybe as i believe one cody rhodes himself did say um it's not an effing tea party all right <laughs> Um, which was a very odd choice of words for the ladder match build, but um, yeah, so dangerous, but so is all of wrestling, and it looks and sounds better than all the alternatives. Oh, thank you for that, Barry. Paul, do you have a rebuttal? Why chair shots are bad. Why are they bad? Yeah. Uh, well, Joe, I don't know about you, but when I grow up, I don't want to be a drooling vegetable. Thanks so much. <laughs> um, I think you're fine as well, Barry. Um, if you were to ask little... <laughs> Benoit kid and wife <laughs> about chair shots in the head. They'd probably tell you, don't do them. Um, Chris Benoit is a murderer. Thank you, chair shots in the head. And thank you, Barry, for your endorsement. <laughs> in fact, Joe, I want to uh, stretch the ban from chair shots in the head to any weapon shot to the head because I feel like they are contributors to CTE and other brain damage. Wow. Wow. Um, I will concede, though, that they do look and sound cool, but I don't think that that is enough uh, cause mm. to start allowing them. Uh, okay. In fact, I think any any form of violence should be banned. Wrestling should be changed <laughs> into a Scrabble tournament or some kind of Ludo, I will allow. That would be it. Okay. Well, that's both sides of the argument. I think on balance, um, you know, Barry makes really good points about how shit it looks not to hit someone on the head. Paul comes yes. back with some interesting sort of science on the long-term sort of ramifications. Um, but I think the fact that they do look really cool and uh, also the name of the podcast is a chair shot podcast. I think I'm going to have to go with Barry as the winner. Oh the dear. Congratulations, Barry. On Hell, yeah. Hell yeah. I tell you what though. I tell you what though. I, I imagine, right. Let me take, go into your mind's eye for a second. Right. It's December, 1998. Mick Foley is wrestling The Rock in the main event of Raw. Billy Gunn has just knocked Ken Shamrock out of the ring. Vince McMahon is concerned. Steve Austin's music plays. The crowd is going wild. Out comes Steve Austin. There's a chair in the floor. He picks it up. Pops Rock in the stomach. And then on the back. Not quite. And Rock goes, ah! And like his shoulder blades are on fire. Ah! <laughs> oh, shite. Mm. Alright. That's all we got this week. But all the mails? That's the ones. It is. All right, folks. And that is going to do it for this week's show. Big bumper show this week. What with the big pay-per-view and all that jazz. Thanks very much for listening. We will be back next week chatting. Uh, you know, the usual fun and games. There probably won't be as much wrestling next week. We'll talk about the movies, the games, the TV shows we've been watching. And uh, we could be reading more emails as well. Chairshoppodcast.com if you want to get in touch with us. Uh, as well so uh thanks very much for listening folks thanks paul thanks joe uh for being here and uh i'll talk to you all next week bye-bye, bye-bye.